Hey, I'm Nick Tamadio, and welcome to Music Is Not a Genre's Podfast. Oh, God. All right. Well, okay. That, you know, uh, thank you. Uh, that was a lot of enthusiasm. And the reason that happened, I get it. Very clever, Podfast. Very clever. The reason why there were 10 of them is because that's how big this episode is. But it's a Podfast, so we're going to do it quickly. This is Podfast number 14. Quick takes from the continuum number four. If you have watched or listened to my podcasts, you know that quick takes means I go over some albums and stuff like that. Well, in this case, not only do I have a subtitle for this, which is Tantarara, now is then. And uh, the reason is because I have nine albums all somehow pulling from or referring to past music. And... It's going to be quick because podfast and that's a lot. I'm going to finish up with my take on the Beatles now and then. Another reason for that subtitle. Uh, another song that pulls from refers to the past, followed by all the normal stuff that I that I will do on a podfast. So, we're going to get right to it. The albums. The first one is Olivia Rodrigo's Guts, and I'm calling this segment Nostalgia. So this was released a couple of months ago, September 8, 2023. Lots of new-ish artists are pulling from two main sources right now, 90s grunge and 2000s emo. In many cases, those artists are women or people of varying ethnicities, varying gender identities and all of that. And those are things and people you would have found less of in the original versions of those music in the 90s and 2000s, although there were people, you know, people of all kinds then too, but quite a bit more this time. The ones that pull from those sources and do it well do two things. They bring something new to the mix, new lyrical angles, new sounds, new elements of other styles mixed in that it's not so purist. Or And number two, they live inside the music. They do it with passion and energy. It's not just using the sound or the genre as a skin, saying I'm a pop artist doing a grunge sounding thing, but they actually make it into the music that they're intending to make it. These two elements done successfully come from three things, songwriting, performance, and production. And Olivia Rodrigo's Guts has all of this. It's not just an echo of past music, although, yes, you can hear that. Uh, I know my age and I act like it. That's a quote from one of her songs. And that is very true. And she's staying true to that. Yet her songwriting, while clearly lyrically of her age, is as sophisticated as a lot of what Taylor Swift does and just a different angle and and, and different attitude. It mostly sets aside the pop sheen of previous work and leans into the rock sheen of some of that previous work, leans into it heavily, which I think is one reason why this was not a sophomore slump. Faves from this album are All American Bitch with the loud soft dynamics. That's classic. Uh, Bad Idea, right? Vampire. Ballad of a Homeschooled Girl. Probably the most 90s. Sounds like Veruca Salt to me. Get Him Back. Amalgam of many things. And it might be my favorite on the album, Get Him Get Him Back. Love is Embarrassing. It has a 2000s Liz Fair Demi Lovato pink sound, which I really, really love. Pretty Isn't Pretty. Sounds like Smashing Pumpkins mixed with The Cure, which is uh, it makes sense because The Cure influenced The Smashing Pumpkins, and it's probably my second favorite song on the album. Which brings me to the next album, The Hives, The Death of Randy Fitzsimmons, released on August 11, 2023, and I'm calling this segment Aging Aggressfully. And so 
This is one of my favorite bands. Highs from Sweden. I've done an episode on them. They are coming to the States. Uh, they'll be opening for the Foo Fighters uh, on a couple of uh, legs of their tour or whatever. And I am so psyched. I'm going to be getting tickets for that for the one at City Field here in New York. Many older bands think they need to mellow out or quote unquote sophisticate in some way. And I've mentioned this before in other episodes. Why do that? Just because you're getting older doesn't mean you need to do that. Sure, add nuance, add things that that bespeak your age, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, and change what you do if you're hearing new things. That's that's a whole different thing. That's an artistic thing. It's not about age. But you should also stick to what moves you, whatever that may be. If what's moving you is something super mellow all of a sudden, okay, then do that. But if you do that thinking because you're an elder statesman or whatever, I don't like that. Well, the hives don't do that. This sound for the death of Randy Fitzsimmons is an energetic as anything they have ever done. In fact, it's more energetic than a lot of stuff that came in the late O's and early early teens. It's as energetic as their earlier stuff. I think the vocals and the lyrics are great. It's got that garage rock slash post-punk sound all the way up and down, and it's real. It's not just an echo of things they've done before. Uh, this is... Oh, by the way, Death of Randy Fitzsimmons, it's based on the name of a fictional dude who was supposedly their manager and songwriter. And I like that they're saying he's dead. It's almost like it's a new era for them. And I know one of their guys left after their last album, which was a very long time ago. It was almost a decade ago, I think. And so I'm really happy that they're back and not just in single form. My favorites from this album are uh, Bogus Operandi. Countdown to Shutdown. It's like their tick, tick, boom, or hate to say I told you so, of this album. And uh, it's not to say that it's my favorite, but it has that punch to it. It has that single sound to it. Rigor Mortis Radio, excellent. Stick Up, Smoke and Mirrors, Crash Into the Weekend. Two Kinds of Trouble is my favorite. I love the lyrics. That's where I would start on this album, Two Kinds of Trouble. The Bomb, uh, probably my second favorite. And again, totally check the lyrics it's funny, honestly. It's very self-effacing in a lot of ways and clever. What Did I Ever Do to You has a goth Burry, a goth kind of Bowie Berlin years, Berlin trilogy uh, sound to it, which is unexpected for the hives, but it works. It doesn't take the album down. It, it really works in context. Uh, and another fave. It's another fave of mine. And side note, Pelle Almquist, Almquist, Pelle Almquist, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, the lead singer, liked a post of mine on Facebook, which is very exciting to me. Uh, next album is by uh, British hip-hop artist The Streets, called The Darker the Shadow, The Brighter the Light, released on October 13, 2023, and I'm calling this segment Soft-Spoken Word, in it, mate? Now, why? Okay, so first of all, so I'm so glad Mike Skinner, The Streets, is back. It's been quite a few years. I've always loved his voice and delivery. I've loved his uh, lyrics. He's got like a, a laconic, heavily accented British delivery. He doesn't try to smooth that out. He doesn't try to make it sophisticated or hip-hop-ish in any way. It, he just rides into it. Uh, his lyrics are kind of twisted literary lyrics, which to me are more like spoken word than rap lyrics in many ways. Uh, and yet clearly he is uh, a rapper, you know, British rapper, white dude. These lyrics on this album were delivered very non-aggressively and there's not as much bite to me, even underlying. He was never an aggressive rapper, but he always had a little bit of, mm, 
you know, here. There's a little bit less of that. There's definitely a showing his age, uh, you know, maturing kind of thing, maybe more contemplative. And he's always been super contemplative anyway. Uh, production uh, is very is very sparing and it's very retro and very uh, eclectic electro. Uh, I really like the production. It's the kind of thing that at first you're like, oh, okay, and then the more you listen to it, it grows in you. In fact, the whole album is like that. The first time I listened to it, I was like, oh, this is a little low energy. But then the more I listen to it, it really sinks in. And he's the kind of lyricist where you often have to hear his lyrics more than once for it to really hit you. You know, and that happened a lot. Faves for me on this are too much yayo. It's got a dubbish kind of, uh, kind of sound to it. Uh, Walk of Shame, which it seemed was it little influenced by Lil Nas X. I don't know. There's a twang to it though, uh, and that's one of that's probably my top fave on the album is Walk of Shame. Uh, Something to Hide has a great electro uh, reggae kind of what they call ragamuffin or dub sound to it, which is cool. And it's another fave of mine. Those two, one two punch. Not a good idea is probably my favorite lyrically and I also like the production so I guess maybe a third fave Bright Sunny Day has an R&B feel the title track The Dark of the Shadow The Bright of the Light has a 1920s jazz kind of uh, sample which they may have done themselves but it's still pretty awesome Funny Dream is the most energized track on the album Kick the Can has a Fat Boy Slim kind of Moby-ish kind of sound Each Day Gives and Each Day Takes and it uh, there's auto tune on that. That's that's the the characteristic of this. Uh, it is also one I like. Good old days is like piano glitch, and it's very haunting. Uh, and so those are my top faves on the album. And which brings me to the next album, Andre 3000's New Blue Sun, released very recently, November 17, 2023. And I am subtitling this segment. Sure. So if you know Andre 3000, you know he was one half of the duo Outcast. Major, major splash, late 90s, early 2000s. Broke up fairly quickly. He's never released a solo album. This is his first solo album. He has guested on many, many other artists' works, and he is an actor now, and some of the stuff I've done, I really like what he does. He always has that kind of trippy, you know, philosophical feel to him, and he has uh, for the last 15 years at least, as far as I'm concerned. And this album plays right into that. And my comment here is, come on, man, I get that you're a deep, trippy dude, but really? And I say it this way. I say it with all the love in the world that when you want to explore kind of music, go ahead and do it. And go ahead and do it in a way that is, uh, what is it, an hour and a half album or longer. And each of the, and most of the songs are super long in the 10 minute range. The shortest one is 349, but the longest one is over 17 minutes. And his contribution other than, I assume, assembling the musicians and trying to go with a feel and whatever kind of improv that they came up with in creating these, is he plays various flutes. It is slow moving. It is ambient, which is fine. Those kinds of things can also sink into you if you let them play on you, if you're in the right mood. I find it very backgroundy, and I find it, I've listened to it more than once, very meandering, which uh, if you're if you're like a jam band fan, you you might love this. And it does have a very smoky, groovy kind of sound. The sound in general is really, really nice. But I find that the album is more for mood and atmosphere than for sitting down and doing nothing else but listening to it. You'd have to probably be high 
to appreciate all of the nuance of all of this is is my opinion. Uh, I do like it. I one of the things that's very cool is the titles of a lot of the tracks are very kind of Fiona Appleish when the pawn titles. Uh, like I swear I really wanted to make a rap album, but this is literally the way the wind blew me this time. That's the name of a song. Another one is the slang word pussy rolls off the tongue with far better ease than the proper word vagina. Do you agree? Another one is that night in Hawaii when I turned into a panther and started making these low register purring tones that I couldn't control. Shit was wild. And what, and the thing is, I wanted the songs themselves to kind of have more of a feel of what the titles of the songs were. And I think the album would have been mind blowing if it had incorporated as well more of the outcast, uh, you know, his version of the outcast sound into this kind of jam band improv trippy sound and made more of an amalgamated sound there than if he had just leaned super heavily into this uh, in a way I, I, you know, I've listened to some people's instrumental music and with, and, and the thing is instrumental can be as captivating and hooky as any damn other thing, no matter how long it is, if that has to, has it, if it has it in it to do that. And I just don't feel like, a lot of the stuff on this does but at least it's it's i think more successful and more accomplished than uh you know when michael jordan played baseball so the next segment is on duran duran's new album dance macabre released 27 october 2023 do it in the british way because they're british and i am titling this segment spooky serious fun so duran duran just keeps putting out new albums this is their second new album in i think three years two or three years Pretty amazing. They've been around for over 40 years. This album is a mix of seven originals and six covers. I mentioned it on my Duran Duran episode, but it hadn't come out yet. So now I get to do a full review. Uh, They said it was the kind of music they would want at a Halloween party, which I think is so cool. And they absolutely did that. Uh, It's an incredibly solid, incredibly atmospheric and diverse album. Honestly, more diverse and and I think more captivating than their previous album, which was a very good album. Uh, Generally, to me, the originals are actually strong longer than the covers which I find to be the case for the stuff they did in the 90s as well as an entire album of covers and there were some interesting covers there like White Lines etc but I think their originals from the 90s are better than their covers uh, it's a it's an absolutely worthy album on its own and a worthy Duran Duran album from their catalog I recommend that you listen to it and faves are in fact there are very few songs I didn't like but my f- main main faves Night Boat Black Moonlight yes Nile Rogers, funk, electro rock, the most Duran Duran song on this album, Supernature, straight up dance, and also extremely, extremely Duran Duran. Uh, that's a disco hit from Mark Cerrone, 1977, so it's a cover of that. Dance Macabre, another great original. Ghost Town is a cover of the Specials uh, two-tone band. Super Lonely Freak is, is an original with a mix of Super Freak from Rick James, Spellbound, Love, love, love that they covered Susie and the Banshees. I like the original and I like this one as well. Uh, They also did covers of Billie Eilish, Rolling Stones, and David Byrne. Absolutely worth a listen. Next review is on Juliana Hatfield Sings ELO, released November 17th, same day as uh, Andre 3000. And the subtitle for this is You Brought Me Down. 
So a reference to an ELO song. Like her other cover albums, Olivia Newton-John in 2018 and The Police in 2019, it is extremely well done and very Juliana Hatfield sounding. And I love hearing her voice and her guitar playing. I will never tire of either of those. But I don't think, I think also like those others, she doesn't put the signature stuff into the covers the way some other people do. And no, she doesn't imitate the originals either, which I love. I'm glad she doesn't do that. But I just feel like there, that she could have done more leaning more into the direction of herself in the, the covers that she did. And for all of them, really, although there's some gems on all of those covers albums, she put an original album out in 2021, so I assume she'll be putting another one out soon. I think she kind of goes back and forth, and I'd be more than happy to hear her originals, uh, especially as a to covers now listen this album it largely depends on how much you like ELO I have always been kind of a b-level ELO fan not really super into them there are some things I tire of easily and some things that surprise me with how much I like them I always say I like them more than I think but less than I want to and that's partly because of Jeff Lynn great guy good songwriter can't stand his producing uh, the same with this album it feels like uh, she leaned into the ELO vibe well, more than she leaned into her own power pop, uh, kind of grungy power pop vibe. Faves of this, Can't Get It Out of My Head, Strange Magic, Don't Bring Me Down, uh, Ordinary Dream, which is my hands-down fave. It's the closest one to me that sounds like her original material. Next album, didn't have this on the original list. I had to put it on when it came out. Also November 17th, like the other two, Dolly Parton, Rockstar. And the subtitle for this segment is, Of Course It Works. Listen, she can do whatever she wants and people will love it and it'll be good. And I was coming expecting to be like, ah, oh, Dolly's rocking, cool. And I listened to it and it is way, way better than I thought it would be. Incredible energy. Musicians, incredible. Vocals, incredible. Her vocals, they, they sear. I mean, they are so strong in spots and powerful and the energy in general is not it it mostly doesn't sound like somebody just trying to imitate rock it's somebody again embodying so this is someone you know who does it well yeah there's a little cheese like for example there's a lot of uh, song intros where she's talking either by herself or with other people like Joan Jett and it sounds a little bit like she's explaining the premise of the song and fun, but a little cheesy to me. But man, the guest list, incredible. And, uh, you know, my wife said it shows, I, I won't, this is not an exact quote, but it shows what a baller she is because these are not straight up duets. These are, hey, I'm Dolly Parton. This is my version of this song. I'm going to do it and you're going to be on it. And and they they died to be on it and loved it and contributed very well. But it was clear that all the songs were hers. And I, I agree with my wife on that. These are megastars, but they're guesting on her album. And 30 songs. So 30 songs. That's all I'm going to say. I've released 30 song, you know, project. So I know how that feels. But I'm excited that she did that many songs. Uh, and it's a pretty eclectic mix. It includes interesting a lot of cliches, a lot of rock cliches, which I think is just super, super bold, super bold, because who's going to touch some of those? I can think of thousands of musicians who wouldn't do songs like Purple Rain, Baby, I Love Your Way, Satisfaction, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, Freaking Stairway to Heaven, We Are the Champions, We Will Rock You, Let It Be, Freaking Freebird. Who would do covers of these? Well, she would. 
And a lot of them ended up being my favorites on the album. Also, her originals are very strong as far as I'm concerned of those. My phase of those are uh, Rockstar minus the talking intro uh, with Richie Sambora. Either or uh, Kid Rock guest. And you know what I think about Kid Rock, but I got to be honest, this seems like the kind of music he should be doing. Uh, and don't tell anybody I said that. Uh, Bygones with Rob Halford. Yeah. And Nikki Six. Faves of the covers are Open Arms with Steve Perry, Magic Man with Ann Wilson. Excellent. Long as I can see the light with John Fogarty. Surprisingly good. Purple Rain, I have to mention. I Hate Myself for Loving You with Joan Jett. Really strong. Night Moves with Chris Stapleton. What a great pick. One of my favorite songs. I never knew it was my favorite. Wrecking Ball with Miley Cyrus, of course. Satisfaction with Pink and Brandy Carlisle. Keep on Loving You with Kevin Cronin from REO Speedwagon. Stairway to Heaven with Lizzo and Sasha Flute. You can make your own comments about that. Not the first time Dolly Parton covered Stairway to Heaven, I have been told. Bygones with Rob Halford. What's up with Linda Perry? Yeah. Heartbreaker with Pat Benatar. Excellent version. Let It Be with Paul and Ringo, which was, I think, the first single from this. I mean, come on. And there'll be more on Ringo later. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Next album, Rolling Stones, Hackney Diamonds, released 20 October 2023, and the segment title is, You Can Sometimes Get What You Want. Again, they could have done the Elder Statesman thing. Man, they didn't. They did not go mellow. Even when they went mellow, they didn't go mellow. It opens strong, and it stays there. It's really strong material, maybe because they haven't put an original album out in so long. His voice sounds great. The production is great. The musicianship, great. The lyrics, very good. And, and the writing, very good. Not not one note at all. It cuts a lot of fat, which a lot of older Stone songs tend to have a little, you know, long intros or fat. And I always felt like they could, could have been edited better. Not the case with this album. Edited extremely well. They're not trying to get clever or do contemporary, but they're not stuck in any one of their past incarnations. It's kind of a mix. You can hear the 60s and the early 70s and the late 70s. You can hear the 80s and 90s in the stuff they do, and you can hear some new stuff too. If you heard that bump, that's me bumping the microphone. They've never been a heart artist for me. 
as much as I love some of their songs, like really love them and respect everything they've done. But, and, but that said, this is probably one of the top five stones albums for me. Uh, faves are angry, like the best of the eighties or nineties. Get close. Bite my head off with Paul McCartney on bass. Whole wide world is my top, top, top fave. Mess it up is like late seventies. Live by the sword is like early seventies. Driving me too hard. Sweet sounds of heaven with Lady Gaga. And honestly, that should have been just a holy mess. And it just comes together so well, including Lady Gaga's vocal, which brings me to the last album on the list before I get to the single. And that is Ringo Starr's Rewind Forward. It's an EP released 13 October 2023. And the segment title for this is Less Wince. So it's another EP. It's his fourth in three years. There are four songs on it. And and I have to say it, most of his recent stuff is somewhat cringe, to borrow a word from my kids. As much as I love him and the fact that he's 83 and still putting out music, there's a lot of plodding and a lot of positive preaching, I will say, in his lyrics. But I have to admire that he's fully himself that he's still drumming like a like a like an amazing drummer and even though he doesn't often say anything new you got to give him credit for saying what he's saying and doing what he's doing and this EP I think is stronger than the other 3 the auto tune is a bit much but okay the musicianship is great and he chose solid songwriters to work with him uh shadows on the wall um written by the guys from a couple of guys from Toto is absolutely my fave and a great strong opener it gave me a lot of hope Feeling the Sunlight, written and co-performed by Paul McCartney. It sounds like a song the Beatles would write uh, for Ringo to sing. It's very up and positive and bouncy. It's got a little shuffle beat. Uh, Not very substantive, but it's catchy. Rewind Forward, the title track is the only Ringo composition and uh, sadly is my least favorite on the album. It's immediately preachy and and a little bit plodding. Miss Jean, the last track, is my second fave. It's got a huge Ringo in the 70s vibe which I think was his best era solo-wise and incredibly strong. Uh, Which brings me to the meat of this, and that is Now and Then, the Beatles single released November 2nd, 2023. And my subtitle for this segment is It's the Beatles. Okay, why do I say that? Well, listen, uh, we've heard a lot of reviews of this. And most of them have been very in- insightful and have, uh, you know, really brought up things that I wouldn't have thought of. But I feel like some of the reviews miss some of what is important about this song and what makes it The Beatles. That's what I'm trying to get at here. Side note, it came out when my band was in Florida doing 14 Beatles shows. So we performed it two and a half times. We did a 30 second version the day it came out. And then we played it twice more in full with the full band uh, two subsequent shows. So it's kind of hard for me to dislike this because I played on it. Also because it's the Beatles. And is if whether or not it's the last Beatles song, it's a new Beatles song. And yes, it is the Beatles. It doesn't rank as on any top lists of my Beatles songs for me in any way, shape, or form. But I like it better than the 90s songs. And uh, I'm very happy Jeff Linden produced it. Uh, Giles Martin kicks ass. And I think he brings a, a fuller, richer sound to it than what Jeff Lynn has done in the past. Then, yeah, McCartney had a huge hand in it. And it makes sense that they cut out the darker part that John wrote because it would have turned it into a different song and a more singular solo song. The way it was put together makes it sound more like an ensemble song, like a Beatles song. 
uh, even though that part that they cut out is was kind of cool, and it makes and especially because they wanted it to be the kind of valedictory song. Yes, it sounds like their solo work, but it sounds like all of their solo work individually. And to me, it sounds like what they might have sounded like if they had stayed together as a band. So that's again why I think it makes it the Beatles. Every element, chord changes, melody, harmonies, styles of each instrument, string section, the production quali- uh, qualities like flanging. It's all Beatles and not so over the top hitting you on the head like when we was fab or sowing the seeds of love, though both are great. It's got more of a haunting kind of amalgamation of all of those elements. And let's put to rest that it isn't the Beatles, those AI talk. AI is a tool that can be used in many, 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 many ways. And in this case, it's not I'm creating a song that sounds like Kurt Cobain, but even though none of the lyrics were his and it's not him actually singing, that's a different kind of AI. These are the actual four people performing their parts. And there was no subterfuge on, well, we we fudged this, whatever. The AI was used to enhance the sound of the original vocal and to bring together all of the other parts that had been recorded in, in very, at various times, excuse me. Uh, and so that to me should lay to rest the fact that whether or not it's a Beatles song, all four contributed. John, John's vocal sounds very good, all things considered. Uh, Paul, you know, mimicking George, uh, I guess soon because he didn't actually get to putting a solo on it. Uh, solo was always something they seemed to say for last anyway, but he did put other parts on it in the 90s. And then, of course, Ringo and Paul playing and singing now. And then adding those other backups from Because and Here, There, and Everywhere and Eleanor, repurposing. They, they, some people say that that kind of pastiche creation makes it, you know, not a Beatles song. But were you, were you not aware? Were you, have you not been listening? Because the Beatles did stuff like that all the time. They were studio experimenters, which is what this song is. It is the step forward in studio experimentation. And the way they did it is very similar to how they would have done stuff like Tomorrow Never Knows or Being for the Benefit of Mr. Kite. It has that sense of, yes, we're performing live and we're the Beatles and we're together, but we're also adding in individual ideas and doing experimental uh, electronic and, and weird technology things that the Beatles were known for throughout their career. So to me, the things that make this the thing, the thing that makes it the most Beatles, setting aside all the way it sounds and who performed on it was how it was put together. The very thing that people are objecting to, to me, is what makes it the most Beatles of a beat, you know, as, as far as being a Beatles song. Final note about the videos, 12-minute video was fun to see, wasn't necessary, but I get why they did it, and it's cool to see the uh, the the different footage they had and Paul talking, et cetera, et cetera, but the music video was absolutely sublime. I heard somebody object to it because they thought it was too lighthearted and silly, and they didn't like how the eras were mixed. Again, all of that, all of that is 100% Beatles. It's hugely Beatles. The video is as Beatles as the song. It may even be more Beatles than the song. So screw that bullshit. Conclusions. Mining the past is what we all do as creators. Overt or not, do it well. Do it deliberately. All of these bring something new to varying degrees of success. And you can review my reviews and see which ones I think were the most successful. I'd love to hear your take on any of these albums. Final note, my featured song is an unreleased rec song from the upcoming album Kite to Camden called Porch Step. I chose it because it is 
a look back at stuff I did in the 90s, but with a new fresh way. So I thought it was perfect for this episode. Thank you for watching and listening to this podcast. I can't believe we finished everything. Ah! I guess we're done. Sitting on the porch step Feeling like a reject Nothing to say, nowhere to go No I think I'm starting to see That no one's coming for me
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 